Amen. Thank you, Royce. Thank you, Wayne. Thank you, Mario, for leading us in worship. Um, my name is Jamie Moore. I serve as associate pastor here, and uh, we're so glad that you're here for worship. And I have the great uh, pleasure and honor of being able to bring the message today. And um, I'm actually kind of riled up right now, so I'm trying to keep myself calm. Um, there's, I, I know this may sound really nerdy. Uh, well, it is going to sound nerdy. Um, I love talking about God. I love talking about him. He is the most interesting, you know that, that commercial, the most interesting man in the world? God is the most interesting person that has ever been. From the beginning, before time, he was there, and he is awesome. And so I'm really excited to talk about him today. Now, we're in a series called Rethink, where we're looking through the different questions about Christianity, and, and not necessarily rethinking Christianity in general, but offering an opportunity to rethink the basics of Christianity. And the question today is, who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? That's the question that we're looking at today. I'm going to be in John chapter 14, uh, in verses 25 and 26. So if you'll get there, John 14, verses 25 and and 26, we're going to be looking at this question, who is the Holy Spirit? Now, I just want to be really honest. Uh, this question deserves like an entire year's worth of sermons, so I'm going to do this in 30 minutes, uh, which will be a challenge. So who is the Holy Spirit? The structure of the sermon, it goes like this. We're going to have three questions that we're going to answer, three questions that we're going to answer about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give three examples in Scripture Actually, two examples from Scripture and one modern-day example that kind of gives us an idea of what it would be like to walk with the Spirit. And then finally, I want to end with some practical suggestions. So three questions, three examples, and then some practical suggestions. Let me pray, and then we're going to go after it. Father, thank you for your presence here with us. I thank you that you are a giver of good gifts. You have come... And given yourself, you have come, you've given your son, Jesus the Christ, to die for us. And Jesus, we honor you. We thank you for your sacrifice and love for us. We thank you, Jesus, that you give us access back to the Father by faith in you. And Father, in Jesus, we thank you that you are a giver of the Holy Spirit to us. So Holy Spirit, we honor you. We invite you to come. I ask that you will come and bring to remembrance everything that Jesus said, and that you would be our teacher this morning. So Spirit, we yield to you. I ask you to teach and to speak, to manifest yourself to every ear and heart that hears my voice. That's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So first question, the first question is this, who is he? Who is the Holy Spirit? John 14, 25 to 26. Very briefly, just to answer that question right off the bat, he is a person, he is a gift, he is a teacher, he is a helper, and he is home. He's a person, he's a gift, he's a teacher, he's a helper, and he's home. Let's walk through these. 
He's a person. Look at verse 25 and 26 of John 14. He says, these things, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he, everyone say he, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So the personal pronoun, he, already gives us a clue. The Holy Spirit is a he. He is a person. But he's not just any person. He's not like you and me. He is God. He's not just a person. He is God. The doctrine of the Trinity, which I don't have time to go into right now, but I really want to. The doctrine of the Trinity tells us that there is one God, and he is three persons. One God, not three gods, but he's one God in three distinct persons. In that, there's a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're not three different gods, and yet they are three unique persons within one God. And it actually causes our brain to hurt a little bit because the Father is fully God, and Jesus the Son is fully God, and the Holy Spirit is fully God, but there's not three gods, there's only one God. So if your brain hurts while I'm talking, that means you're getting it right. It's actually impossible to understand. It's actually a mystery. Because think about it, if we could figure out who God was, and we could figure him out with our minds and put him in a little box, he's no God at all. He's just a figment of our imagination. He is God. The Holy Spirit is a person, and he is God. It's interesting. Paul writes that you can actually grieve the Holy Spirit. When I was growing up, I grew up in a Southern Baptist denomination, and I, I love that denomination. I love what I was taught there. But many times, when in, in the church, in my experience in the church, I found that the Holy Spirit was discussed as kind of like, remember Star Wars has the force, has that like abstract thing that's just kind of floating out there, somehow is energizing us. That was my concept of the Holy Spirit, like he's some sort of force. And maybe he's right here, maybe he's not, maybe he's with me, maybe he's left, I don't know. But the reality is that he's a person. You can talk to him, you can hear from him. You can engage with him. You cannot engage from him. You can grieve him and make him sad. You know how like you have a relationship with someone and if you say something, you can hurt that person's feelings. You can grieve them. You can break relationship with them. He's a real person. And Paul says, do not grieve the spirit. So I'm trying, to, I'm trying to press the point. He is a person. He's not a thing. He's not an it. He's a person. Second thing, he's a gift. Look at the text again. He says, but the helper the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. The Father will send him. And if you back up to verse 16, it says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Now, this is awesome. God, the creator of the universe, who created all the galaxies, who created everything that there is, do you think he's, he's a good gift giver? Like, do you think that he knows what would be the best thing to give us? And God has chosen to give us his own spirit. He's given it to us. Listen, the Holy Spirit, who is God, is the best gift you have ever received. Better than Christmas Day gifts, better than birthday gifts. He is God with you. He's a gift he's been given. 
Third thing that he is, is he's a helper. Look at verse 16 again. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Another helper. That word helper means advocate, means supporter. It means friend. It means like a shoulder to lean on. And the fact that he says it's an, another helper, this Holy Spirit is a, another helper, ties him to Jesus. Jesus is the original helper. And he's saying, listen, the Father is going to give you another one like me to be with you. This one will continue to help you, continue to be a guide. Listen, a lot of people love Jesus, but they're a little freaked out by the Holy Spirit. Here's the truth. The Spirit is a helper just like, this, like Jesus. If you like Jesus and you feel comfortable with the idea of Jesus, he's got kids around him, he's teaching, he's multiplying food, he seems to be really gentle and kind and forgiving and gracious. The Holy Spirit is just like him. He's a helper, just like Jesus. He helps us in all kinds of ways. I don't have time to get into all of it, but he guides us. He helps us pray. It's funny, um, a lot of us will rely so much on our phones, like literally, if you need to get somewhere, what do you do? And you don't know how to get there. Like, let's say you don't know the, you have the address, but you don't know how to get there. What are you going to do? Plug it into your phone, the address, send go. Click go. And then the phone guides you, right? Guides you right where you're supposed to go. The Spirit is the same way, except he guides us in our actual life. He's a helper. He's a guide. Fourth thing, he's a teacher. He will teach you all things. Look at 26 again. Verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. He will teach you. The Holy Spirit, who is God, is a genius. Listen, the Holy Spirit knows everything. He is God. He is wisdom. He is knowledge. He knows everything. And he dwells within us by faith in Christ. And he is willing to teach us anything. Have you noticed uh, with the advent of YouTube, really the advent of the internet in general, but certainly once content started being produced and put on the internet, especially for free, you can learn and be taught to do anything, anytime. Like let's say, let's say that you wanted to learn how to carve wood with a chainsaw, right? You know these big giant wooden uh, trunks and they get a chainsaw out and they're like carving like an eagle holding a flag you know biting a bear or something and you can learn how to do that you just youtube search how do i carve an eagle fighting a bear in wood with a chainsaw and there's a video on that i promise you there's a video on that and we so rely on youtube and all kinds of different things but do you know that by faith in christ you have the spirit dwelling within you and he will teach you what did jesus say did Jesus say he'll teach you some things? Did he say he's going to teach you some of the things that you need? What does he say? He says, I'll teach you all things. In the Greek, all means all things. It means all. Everything. All of it. You have a genius dwelling within you by faith in Christ. I'm pressing this point. Why don't you ask him? Like, I know our kids are getting ready to go back to school, right? Whether it's virtual or in person. Kids, students, have you ever thought, the Holy Spirit could teach me? Like, I'm, I'm listening for, by my teacher. My teacher is telling me information, giving me information. 
but the Holy Spirit can also teach me and help me understand it. Not only teach me, he will bring to remembrance. Once you've been taught something, have you ever forgot that information, like the information just leaves? Not only will he teach, he'll also bring to remembrance. So test time, students. I'm just being honest. I'm just being really practical here. When test time comes, the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance what you've been taught. Now, obviously, Jesus is referring to his own words. But if God would give us his very son, wouldn't he also graciously give us all things? The Bible says. You have this teacher and this reminderer. I don't know if that's a word, but he's a reminderer who will bring to remembrance everything that you've been taught. Finally, he is home. Look at verse 16 to 18. This entire chapter is beautiful. We were doing a sound check before the service started, and I, as a part of the sound check, I just started reading through chapter 14. As I'm reading chapter 14, I'm just seeing so much in here. If you're struggling with feeling alone and anxious, abandoned, chapter 14 has truth for you. So when we're done here, take a look at chapter 14. But let me just pick up one thing. Verse 16. And I will ask the Father, so already we're talking family, aren't we? Right? I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. So he's going to give us a helper that will be with us forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. The word dwells is the word abide. It is, it is the word to be with, to rest, to remain, to stay. Many of us have had friendships with people in our life, and they've left us. They've said, you know what? I don't want to be with you anymore. I don't want to be friends with you anymore. And Jesus says, the Father and I are going to send a helper, and he will be with you. He will dwell. He will remain. He will stay. He will be home for you and with you. Jump over to verse 23. This is all in the same chapter. Verse 23. Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Just stop. This is crazy. I'm getting riled up. The creator of the universe wants to make his home with you and me. He wants to be home with us. He's not wanting to just tolerate you. He wants to be with you. He wants to sit down and have a meal and tell stories and laugh. No social distancing, intimacy. But many of us think of God with a white beard, generally frustrated with us, tolerating us, wishing that we would just do what he tells us to do and leave him alone. He is not that way. He wants to make his home. He wants to be home with you and me. It's beautiful. It's almost too good to be true news. Wouldn't you say that? <laughs> it's gospel. 
good news. He wants to be home. He wants to be home. Now you may say, okay, well, Jamie, how is that going to work? I've done some jacked up stuff in my life. God is a holy God. He's righteous. He's just. I've done some really jacked up things. How is it that God is going to make his home with me? Doesn't he know who I am? Doesn't he know the thoughts that I have? Doesn't he know the things that I've done? Doesn't he know the things that I've said out of my mouth? Why would he want to be home with me? I don't deserve that. The answer is you're right. You don't. So let me tell you some good news. The the way this works is the Father adopts us by the Spirit through faith in the Son. It's in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 to 6. Paul writes, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, that's Jesus, born of a woman, that's Mary, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. And because you are sons and daughters, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You see, we're adopted into this family. And we're adopted by nothing that we have done. We're adopted not because we can offer anything to this great Father. We're adopted because he has chosen to adopt us. It's amazing. Listen, no no amount of money that you give to the church or charitable deeds can earn adoption. No amount of watching worship services on Sunday mornings. You could do that all day, every day. It will not earn you adoption. It will not earn you the spirit. You could... You could go and work at soup kitchens all day, every day. You could do all the good things, and it will not earn you this spirit and this adoption. It will not earn it for you. This is how you get it, Romans 8, 15 to 16. It says, You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So, Adoption. In the Jewish world, the process of adoption was not really a known thing. So when Paul's talking about this adoption stuff, he's not coming from a Jewish standpoint. He's coming from a Roman standpoint. The Romans had this very sophisticated form of adoption. In fact, the most famous adoption would be uh, Julius Caesar adopting Octavian to be his son. So when Paul is writing about this adoption, he's, 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 he's front-loading all this Roman understanding of adoption. Roman adoption could happen at any age, so you didn't have to be a kid to be adopted. You could be an adult. At adoption, all debts, all previous relationships are canceled. So if I have all this debt and I'm adopted by someone else, all the debts that I have as a person, the papers are torn, they are canceled. I no longer have any debts because I've been adopted by this this father over here. And the, the new son or daughter lives 100% in relationship with the one who has adopted them. So their old self with old debts, old relationships are completely canceled, completely shut down, and their new life is 100% lived and understood in relationship to the new father who has come. By faith in Christ, we receive 
everything that Jesus is to the Father. The Bible says that he, Jesus, became our sin and the sin of the world so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So when I come to Jesus and I see Jesus nailed to a cross, he is dying in my place for my sin, for my brokenness, my jacked upness. And he's killed. He's put to death just like I deserve. And he's buried in the ground. And three days later, the Spirit of God comes and resurrects Jesus. And sin is left buried. And death is left buried. And Jesus looks at us and says, why don't you come to me and receive life? I'll trade your sin and brokenness for my righteousness. We'll just trade that's what happened at the cross. And when we make that trade, my sin for his righteousness, we trade it. In that moment, the Spirit of God, actually, we are born again and adopted into a new family. We receive the Spirit. We receive home. We are adopted. And the Spirit cries out, Abba, Father. We begin on the inside to see God, not as an old man who is frustrated, but as a Father who loves us. So the Holy Spirit, he's a person, he's a gift, he's a teacher, and he's home. What does he do? Second part. What does he do internally? What does he do inside of us? And I'm going to do this quick. This is Galatians 5, 22 to 23. The Holy Spirit's main job internally, he's doing a lot of things, but his main job internally is to bear fruit in us and to make us like Jesus. The big fancy $5,000 word for that is sanctification. And sanctification, all of it means is the transformational process by which I become and you become more like Jesus from one degree to another. So sanctification is the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, making me more and more and more and more and more and more like Jesus until I see him face to face. 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul says, We all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into that same image from one degree of glory to another. And this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. The Spirit wants to do something inside of you. He wants to make you like Jesus. He wants to get you thinking like Jesus, talking like Jesus, acting like Jesus, loving other people like Jesus, engaging with the world just like Jesus. That's what he wants to do. And what that looks like practically is he is producing fruit in us. Galatians 5, 22 to 23. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. You say, great, Jamie. So how, how, how does peace, how does the fruit of peace get born in my life? This is the best piece of advice I've ever heard. I'm about to tell it to you right now. Ready? You want to know how the Holy Spirit is going to produce peace in your life. Ready? Every experience in your life is coming to you as an opportunity to learn what Jesus is in you to sustain you through it. Everything that happens. The Bible says, 
for all things work together for good. Every circumstance in your life is coming down the path towards you. And it, every circumstance is an opportunity for the Spirit to show you what Jesus is like in that opportunity. So watch. If the Spirit is wanting to teach patience to you, you know what's going to happen? Every time you go to the grocery store, you're going to go to that one line that has one person, right? You're going to go to that line, you're going to stand in line, you got your mask on, you got, and then this, this person over here has got the 1,500 coupons. And you're standing there going, what is wrong? Do the pickup. Why didn't I do the pickup? I should have... I should have been, and then this one starts going. And then you know what you do? You go to that one. And you know what happens on that one? This person gets the checkbook out. I'm gonna write it, Who, who's it to? Then their, then their pen runs out of ink. You see, everything in life will start to drive you nuts because you need to learn patience. Are y'all hearing me this morning? Listen, when stuff comes at you in life, it's an opportunity for you and Jesus to walk through it and the Spirit makes you like Christ. It's not, oh my gosh, how do I get through this? Why does all this stuff happen to me? Why do I always have to deal with this stuff? The reason you're dealing with it is because the Holy Spirit is wanting to make you like Jesus. And I got some bad news for you. You better learn that lesson or you're going to keep learning it. <laughs> so listen, I don't go, I need peace. Bear some peace. I got to bear some peace. It doesn't work that way. Hezekiah's loving it over here. I love it. You don't grit your teeth and bear peace. You look at Jesus. And you say, Jesus, how are you going to be peace? How are you going to be the prince of peace in my life as I walk through this? Like, maybe in COVID-19, you're really stressed out, freaked out. Could it be that COVID-19 is being used by the Father? I'm not saying that he's engineered some sort of virus. I'm not saying that he intentionally gives bad things to us, but he works all things together for good. Could it be that the Father is using COVID-19 and the stress of this time to produce peace in your life? Or maybe that coworker or that family member who said that thing to you and it broke your heart. And it left you feeling broken and cut and hurt. Could it be that the fruit that's being born in that is love? That you experience the love of Jesus in you by the Spirit as you walk through this pain? Jesus said, even through the valley of the shadow of death, the psalmist said, even through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. So the Spirit is bearing fruit within us. Every experience, every circumstance in your life has a corresponding fruit that's being fashioned in you. I want to take one minute. I'm going to have a little time of interaction. I want to take one minute. I would like for you to look to the person on your right or your left, because as I've been talking you know exactly what you're going through. I would like for you to look to the person on your right or left. I'm going to give one minute to do this. And I just want you to tell them, this is what I'm going through, and this is the fruit that the Holy Spirit is trying to form in me. I'm going to give you one minute. Just look at whoever's to your right or your left. Just say, I'm dealing with this. 
You don't have to go into a long thing. One statement. This is what I'm dealing with, and this is the fruit. One minute. Father, I bless my brothers and sisters as we've just been sharing. And I ask Holy Spirit, um, I ask Holy Spirit that you will help us <clears throat> to learn this lesson quickly and to move on. <laughs> I ask that you will help us to learn quickly, to fix our eyes on Jesus and to be formed and fashioned during this experience. Jesus, I thank you that you promise to always be with us in all circumstances. So I bless my brothers and sisters. I bless them. Bless them in Jesus' name. Last thing that I uh, want to look at. What does the Spirit do externally? What's he doing externally? If he's doing something internally, he's bearing fruit in us. What's he doing externally? I'm going to move through this really quickly. Bottom line, externally, the Spirit's main job is to manifest gifts through us and point us and others to Jesus. So 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 11, Paul writes, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another various kinds of tongues to another the interpretation of tongues, and these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So Paul lists all these gifts, and it's not an exhaustive list, but all of these gifts, he says these are manifestation, this is a visible showing of the Spirit of God for the common good. He's doing that in you. There's gifts in you for the common good of everyone around you. To put it simpler, 1 Peter 4, 10 to 11. I, I like, sometimes when we talk about the gifts, it gets a little bit complicated, like the prophecy and tongues and interpretation. It gets a little wild. Peter helps us. He says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks, as one who speaks the very words of God. Whoever serves, as the one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. The point of Peter here is he's dividing the gifts into speaking gifts and serving gifts. Peter is saying, listen, basically the gifts are in the category of speaking or serving. It's mouth and hand, right? He says, listen, if your gift is speaking, then go ahead and speak as if you're speaking the very words of God. And if your gift is serving, 
then go ahead and engage physically. Serve someone in the strength that God supplies. So follow me very practically. The Spirit is in us wanting to say or serve the people around us. And if we will just walk with him, we will see amazing things happen. I was asking the Lord, I, this was about seven years ago. I told the Lord, I'm really tired of seeing healings in the Bible and not seeing anyone healed when I pray for them. One of the gifts is gifts of healing and miracles. I said, I, I, I don't understand. I've never seen a miracle. I've never seen anyone healed. The churches that I've been in, never seen anyone healed. I said, but it's in the Bible. I said, Father, I want to see it. I want to see it happen. So I had a dream. In this dream, I saw a member of my church at the time. This was in Oklahoma. And I saw this lady in my dream, and I saw myself go up to her and pray for her, and her feet were healed. So I woke up, and I texted, because I've been, I've been asking the Lord. I was like, Lord, I want to see somebody healed. I want you to manifest your spirit through me. That's what you said you're supposed to do. So Holy Spirit, I'm ready. Let's go. I had this dream. I text, yeah, te did I call? It doesn't matter. I texted Linda. I said, I think I'm supposed to pray for you. Can I come to your house? I went to her house. She was, walk she was using a cane. Actually, she was using a walker. She, had, she was wearing slippers at the time because regular shoes were, were hurting her feet and her toes were actually like this. Like, you know, your toes are supposed to be like that, like the bottom of your foot. Her toes were like this. So she was wearing slippers and she was using a walker. I go over to her house. This is the first time I've ever seen anyone healed, like personally by me praying. Her toes are like this. And I'm super awkward, right? I sit down on her couch and it's like a classic grandma house, right? I sit down like a floral couch. I sit down said, okay, I had this dream, so I guess I'm supposed to pray for you. So she takes off her slippers, the little foot thing, both feet. I put my hand on her feet. I prayed. My hand got white hot all over, all over my hand from about here down, white hot. I prayed, and you can go call her. Her feet went, went like this, and they went, they didn't pop, but they went like that. I, I want to be, like, truthful. More like this, more like that. Next Sunday, no walker, regular shoes. So when Peter says, if you're going to serve, serve in the strength that God provides, that includes healing. If you're going to speak, like, when I get up here and I speak, I'm, I'm asking the Lord. Before I walk up, I say, Holy Spirit, would you speak through me? And that's why it doesn't happen for everyone, but a lot of people, they listen to Jamie, they listen to me, and they're like, the Spirit is talking to me. He's talking to me right now. It's not because I'm a great speaker. It's because the Spirit is manifesting himself in your life. That's why this feels the way it feels. Because 1 Peter 4, if you're going to speak, speak with the very words of God. It is a yieldedness to the Holy Spirit. If I'm going to speak something, I want to speak the very words of God. If I'm going to serve someone, I want to serve with the strength that God provides. That's what the Spirit does. Listen, I want to call you to adventure with the Spirit of God. Who on, on your street, who in your neighborhood needs to hear the words of God from your mouth? Who of your neighbors needs to be served and loved with the strength that God provides? 
Listen, call it prophecy, call it healing. Call, I don't, it doesn't matter. Call it whatever you want to call it. It's either speaking the words of God or it's serving in the power that he provides. And that's by the Spirit. It's a manifestation of the Spirit. I'm calling you to adventure with the Spirit of God. I was going to do three examples. I'm just going to do one. I already gave you an example of praying for Linda. But all throughout Scripture, especially in the book of Acts, if you're thinking to yourself, okay, that's great. How else would I speak or serve? Just read the book of Acts. The church is constantly either speaking or serving, and they're seeing miracles and all kinds of stuff happening. Things like the early church at Antioch, the Holy Spirit spoke to the entire church when they set apart Paul and Barnabas for missionary service. It says the Holy Spirit spoke to them. The Holy Spirit said to the church leadership, there's Paul, there's Barnabas, send them. You can have the exact same relationship with the Spirit of God speaking to you about different things that are happening in your life. Example for us as a church, uh, Wednesday morning, uh, Dennis uh, texted all the elders. And he texted uh, Steve Sessler and all the rest of the elders. He said, Steve, um, do you have any information about the, the church that you're connected with in Beirut, Lebanon? Because obviously there was the explosion, mass carnage. And Dennis just threw out there to the elders. Hey, Steve, do you, do you know anything about that church? And Steve said, you know, this morning <laughs> I was reading scripture and I'm trying to remember what the scripture was. I wrote it down. 2 Corinthians 9, 11. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Steve was reading that passage Wednesday morning before Dennis texts him. Steve reads that passage and he's thinking to himself, how can I be generous? How can we be generous? Then Dennis texts him and says, hey, do you know anything about that church in Beirut? Steve goes, yeah, I do know this guy. I'm gonna contact him. I read this passage. What do you think about us as a church giving them $5,000? So all the elders on this text stream are, are praying, thinking, talking, and then one by one, you just hear the elders, I agree, I agree, I agree, I agree, I agree. So by Wednesday, by Wednesday afternoon, it's done. Steve has emailed this pastor of the Ross Beirut Baptist Church in Beirut, Lebanon, has emailed him, gotten all the contact information. Within 24 hours, that church has $5,000. And this pastor, his name is Charlie Costa, emailed back and said, you know, our church was damaged. It wasn't severely damaged, but it was damaged. We have several families that have been affected. All of these funds are going to go directly to families in need. Now, you may look at that and say, well, that's just a text from Dennis and then Steve. And then, no, that's, the, that's how the Spirit moves. One guy's reading a passage, a thought hinders. Another, another person's like, what do you think about this? And then we all come into alignment because the Spirit is speaking. I just, I want to encourage you. Life is not boring with the Spirit. <laughs> when you wake up, like tomorrow morning, when you wake up, the Spirit is wanting to do something in you, internally and externally. Jesus didn't die for you so that you live a boring Christian life. Practical suggestions. Number one, ask the Father and the Son for more of the Spirit. 
Ask for more. The Bible says that we are to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know how it works. I'm sure there's some fancy theologians that know how it works. I don't. But something happens in my experience of the Spirit. Some people say it's like we leak the Spirit. I don't know if that's true or not. But the Bible tells us that we are to be continually filled. It's a present verb, to be continually filled. So something's going on whereby we're, being, we're asking for more and more and more and more of the Spirit in our life. Maybe it's leaking. Maybe it's our own sin that we quench and we grieve the Spirit. I don't know, but what I do know is we can ask for more. Ask the Father and ask the Son. Would you give me more of your Spirit and more of your presence? That's number one. Number two, address the Holy Spirit by name. He's God. You can talk to Him. Some people, they'll always pray, Dear God, fine, no problem. Consider praying directly to the Holy Spirit. He's God. Say, Holy Spirit, I really don't know what I'm supposed to do right now. Would you give me direction? Just ask him. I'd also encourage you to reference the Father and Jesus specifically by name. Third, stay pure. And I don't say this from a place of legalism, but stay pure. Walking by the Spirit, Paul is clear about this, walking by the Spirit includes a denial of the flesh. So I just want to encourage you, stay pure. Stay pure in your thinking and in your heart. Walk pure. And when you stumble, like today, when I stumble or you stumble, confess your sins. He is faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And then come back. But understand that purity piece, to walk with the Spirit. Fourth, fix your eyes on Jesus and ask the Spirit to transform you. Fifth, be present with the triune God and be present with those around you. How will you know what to speak or serve if you're not present with the person in front of you? How many miraculous things have we missed and have I missed because I was too busy on my phone checking something. Be present. Be present with the person in front of you. It may just be that God starts to speak to you and speak through you to that person and literally change their life. But if you're too busy crushing candy, and by the way, I, I, I play those games too. I'm not hating. If we're busy with angry birds, we miss miracle. Are y'all hearing me? Be present. I don't know how many times I've been looking at someone and the Father will just start to tell me what he thinks about them. It happens regularly when I'm present. You know when it doesn't happen? When I'm worried about what's coming next or I'm thinking about what happened or I'm thinking about, oh, that sermon went too long. Oh, 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 oh. Be present with the Father, Son, and Spirit and the people in front of you and start to speak and serve. Finally, ask for power. Ask for a manifestation of the Spirit in your life. Monday morning, ask for a manifestation of your Spirit tomorrow. And watch what happens. Just watch what happens. So how will you partner with the Holy Spirit this week? How will you partner with Him relationally as a person? How will you partner with Him internally as you walk through these experiences? and the fruit of Jesus, the fruit of the Spirit is being born in you, and how will you partner with the Spirit externally? 
as you speak the very words of God and as you serve in the strength that God supplies. How will you partner with this God this week? Let me pray. And then we're going to sing one final song of worship and yieldedness. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the gift of your spirit. Thank you that you are speaking even now and drawing hearts to Jesus. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you will speak and continue to speak. Continue to awaken in us the adventure of walking with you and becoming more and more like Christ. So, Father, we come. We give you these next few moments to yield and surrender. We ask, Father and Son, that you would fill us with more of your Spirit, that you would give more of this good gift, that you would grant more of your presence. I bless every home that's watching this right now. Holy Spirit, would you come and fill these spaces and fill our hearts? We yield to you. And Holy Spirit, we confess grieving you and even quenching you by control. I confess that as a church. I ask that you will help us to release control of this church. And to fan into flame what you want to do here in this place. So we worship you. We give you our very lives. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.